I am so happy to say that this episode of Dear Adam Silver is brought to you by Bookman's. For those of you that are new to the show, Bookman's is an entertainment exchange here in Arizona where I live. They sell used books, records, movies, musical instruments, and more. And you can trade your used items in at Bookman's for cash or store credit. And during the time of COVID-19, they have curbside pickup for books that are ordered ahead of time and for trades. And right now, Bookman's is running a Summer Reads card program. For every nine books a customer buys, they get their 10th book for free. And Bookman's will also donate a free book to a local literacy nonprofit. Customers can ask any cashier for a card. The promotion runs until September 30th, so there's plenty of time to pick up a card and get some free books. All the information can be found at www.bookmans.com. And for those of you listening who are not in Arizona, please consider supporting your local bookstore next time you're shopping. Just because I dunk the basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kid. And welcome back to Dear Adam Silver, a show about sports, art, and the creative space they share. My name is Abigail Smithson, and as always, I am your host. And my guest today is New Orleans-based artist Abdi Farah, who of course has been on the podcast many times before this to talk about basketball and our art practices and all sorts of stuff. And today we're just going to be talking about everything sort of Basically everything that's happened since the last time we spoke, but especially around the the sort of the reopening of professional basketball and what's been happening in the bubble. Um, and I want to get to that as soon as we can because we had a pretty long, uh, action-packed conversation. And I just want to make sure that I mentioned that I found out after we recorded the episode that the idea to have Brianna Taylor's name on the backs of the WNBA jerseys which also led to the NBA's decision to have social justice phrases on the backs of their jerseys. That idea came from the Las Vegas Aces forward, Angel McCautry. Um, and since we spend a good amount of time discussing this on the, the show today, I just wanted to acknowledge where the idea came from because that has been such a topic of conversation um, on many shows and, and all of that. So I just wanted to, to acknowledge that. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. So... I'm so curious to know all your thoughts about, well, so much has happened since we last talked. So I think it's important to just touch on that. You know, you haven't, if, set, I'm sure you have opinions. <laughs> yeah, set the stage. I'm sure you have opinions about things that don't have to do with the bubble, but have to do with basketball That's or the last dance or whatever that's happened between Ooh, since we last spoke. Oh, shoot, that did I happen. Know, yeah, know, we kind of texted a bit about the last dance, but not like an actual real conversation. Yeah. Funny. But I just thought that um, we could just dive in a little bit to the bubble just to see where you're at with that and what's going I'm on. I'm game. Yeah, <laughs> you're wherever you want to go. I have a very, I have a short list today. So oh, nice. There we go. <laughs> no, for sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what have you been thinking? Who are your, what, what is, what's just been the best part about the bubble or the most frustrating part or, or what's your, where's your head at? Well, the funny part is, it's like, maybe this should spin towards you because like, who the fuck the Phoenix Suns would be the kind of surprise team of the... <laughs> and I can't even root for them because I wasn't rooting for them before. I mean, I just feel like... Whoa, no, 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 no. Wait, you live in Arizona. Like, if you live in Arizona, I think you can jump on the Phoenix Suns bandwagon, even though they've only won, they've just won five games. Like, it's not... Like the bandwagon is still has some room. Like you're fine. Like okay. people aren't like jumping on the bandwagon. 
I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not like buying a jersey or anything. I just feel like, you know, I should have been with them. The jerseys are great. I know the jerseys are great. I should have been with them when they've, you know, all the drama, uh, DeAndre Ayton being suspended earlier this season. Like I wasn't really standing by them for the hard times. And so now, you know, like Devin Booker (laughs) hitting his, you know, game winning, whatever that was. It was bare. I don't even, I mean, that was just, that was beautiful. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. I guess I'm rooting for them. Um, we'll see. What yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah that that was such a. So I have like weird feelings about the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker and like whatever's happening. First of all, there was no reason for you to be a fan of them because they stink. Like they're not actually like a good team. Like the fact that they invited like the these like eight other teams that shouldn't be in the bubble, well, not eight other teams, six other teams that shouldn't be in the playoffs to the bubble was both interesting, but it's also, um, yeah, it's not like the Phoenix Suns are legitimately a good team. They're not contending. They're not contending. (laughs) But they won. I mean, they've won. They're undefeated in the bubble. I'm, I'm jealous because Monty Williams is proving to be like the really good coach that he is. And I'm mad because New Orleans just got rid of him for no reason, just because they right. got like sw- swept by the 73 win warriors in the playoffs. Whenever that year was that the warriors, the year before the 73 wins, the year that they won their first championship. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, you lose to a great team and you get fired that's like such a New Orleans thing to do. It's just so dumb. It's like you have a really good coach and you get rid of him for no reason. Probably maybe like him and Anthony Davis didn't get along. And then Anthony Davis isn't even there anymore. It's like, what are you doing? Like Monty Williams would have been the perfect coach for this Zion, Lonzo Ball, sure, Josh yeah. Hart, Jackson Hayes, young core, Brandon Ingram, core of players. And now the Phoenix Suns have them. So I'm happy for him and I'm happy for the Suns but like whatever yeah <laughs> yeah no i i i get that and that um yeah i mean i think that you're right that there's no reason to get super excited right now i mean i think we're seeing um a streak of greatness that could end at any moment <laughs> i mean devin booker's great devin booker's oh, absolutely. great and i think ayton's actually like a legitimately good player they have some good role players like rubio's in a good role the funny part did you follow did you follow the like it wasn't like a scandal, but it was like the Twitter, Instagram beef or whatever with or like it wasn't even a beef, it was more like a discussion with Devin Booker on last summer when he was it was like the videos there were like some open gyms and Devin Booker was like running open gym and he got mad that they were double teaming him in these like open gyms and he's like oh, nobody should be double teaming me in like an open gym. I'm trying to work on my game. I'm just trying to get better. And like, there was like this whole basketball Twitter debate and like Kevin Durant jumps in obviously. And he's like, yeah, like that's a whack move to be like double teaming people. And like Joe Kim Noah is like on the other team. And he's like, yeah, it's like basketball, like tough. Like we're going to double team you if you want to double team you. And it was like such a generational divide. Like I feel like we've talked about these generational divides where I just like I just have such a a lack of empathy for these like precious little young players that (laughs) want everything to be exactly the way they want it to be but then the 
the defining moment of the bubble for Devin Booker is him beating a double team. So thank you very much, Devin Booker. Like you got to practice against that last year. So we won the debate. Seriously. So, yeah. No, absolutely. And even that like joke. Sorry, I'll like stop ranting right now. No, he's on the Clippers now. And so it's even more like the guy who kind of like, you know, is toughening him up or whatever, saying that he's yeah. enough. And I mean, I think after uh, reliving some of what we did in uh, the last dance with uh, the Bulls kind of having to battle the Pistons to get to yeah. the first championship and stuff like that. And just watching some of those, so all that went down with uh, the Bulls and the Knicks too. It's just like a I double team is stuff. not much, yeah. you know? Like, not, oh mu- not much at all. Not much <laughs> like, at all. Yeah, trying like flagrant but- fouls. Yeah, but I, I love that style of basketball. Like as long as nobody gets like seriously hurt. Um, but I had a game where I had like elbowed in my eye and blood was like streaming down my face and I could not have been happier. And I like went out and had like a great second half of the game. And <laughs> like, I think we might even, we might even won that game. Like I don't win. A, I didn't win a lot of games in high school, but I think we won that one. Um, yeah, that's like part of the sport and anybody who's like avoiding the actual like challenges of the sport that just seems weird to me it's like you just want to shoot jump shots or I don't know like right. have it be easy for you weird yeah and I mean I feel like um I I I mean I I think that the Pistons were like wild uh during that time I mean in a way I that I don't it. know I know and I respect that um and no and I think that it also it was so interesting watching that doc because it made me appreciate Dennis Rodman from another uh, as uh, like early Dennis Dennis Rodman. Rodman. Yeah. Yeah. That whole montage of him describing how he tracks rebounds. I mean, and just thinking about the rebound as this form of art um, and about how he (laughs) thought about it critically and was out there and just visually how it worked for him. Um, Anyway, so there's there was a lot. I mean, the Pistons, there's a lot there to uh, unpack. But I think a lot of it makes me cringe. And, you know, I'm like, every time there's, I'm kind of the opposite of you with the <laughs> the aggressive blood or whatever. But um, I do think that uh, it, there's some intensity there that that the game can lack when when people aren't really being aggressive with each other. And that has yeah. its own sort of, that's its own battle and it, it, it is interesting and, and compelling to watch. I've been, I've actually been, if I can, so like, if we jump into the bubble, I've been, I don't in. know if I, sh- yeah, I don't know if I should have been surprised by this, but I've been pleasantly surprised by how competitive the games feel. Like even for the teams that technically don't have a lot to play for, it's like, the Clippers are still putting most of their team out. The Lakers are still putting most of their team out. Giannis is still playing until the like last seconds of the fourth quarter. And you would have thought that these would have been some games that people were phoning in. But I think there's something really beautifully competitive about this bubble atmosphere and the fact that it's like these teams have been invited to this bubble. There's no fans. There's no extra stuff and it's really just basketball and I think the best in a lot of these teams and a lot of these players is coming out in a really fun and surprising way I've just really enjoyed all of this basketball like there's been no like technically this should be like the if this is like this last little gasp of the regular season this should be those really boring games where it's it's like 
Orlando, Brooklyn, and it's just like they should be boring games, but they're actually right. quite good games. <laughs> I don't know. I enjoy it. Yeah, it does feel like they, um, in some ways, they're playing for each other because there aren't fans there. I mean, they're playing just like you said, like it's just sort of basketball in a pure form and competitiveness in a pure form. And then exactly. it also feels like they're playing for, I mean, because they're the they're a sport that kind of shut it down um, and then also uh, have have reopened it at least among the major sports in the country. Uh, it just feels like they're also playing for the, they're playing for everyone. They're playing for themselves and they're also just like, uh, they're being scrutinized and on display as far as the bubble goes and how the bubble works. True, 100%. And yeah, so, there is like a weird big brother aspect of it, of course, but sure. um, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, I mean, whether the bubble sh should exist or not is not where I'm coming at it from right now because, you know, of course. If I mean, we... that's a valid argument. You sure. Can, you can yeah. definitely talk about that. <laughs> but I also just like at this moment in time, and I don't want to say how many basketball games I've watched in the past week because there's been a lot of fucking basketball games. I've watched a lot of them. <laughs> so good. They're all so good. I mean, mostly they're so good. I mean, yesterday, like. It's like March Madness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and so I just. It's at 10.30 a.m. It's like I can leave and come back and it's still happening and it just feels like there's like life existing in these other places and and I don't know I just um yesterday all of the games I mean within two minutes I didn't know who's gonna win any of those games they were so close and it was just you know and it ended last night with Luka Doncic with a through the legs awesome. yeah pass. <laughs> I mean just that's like the sweetest sort of like cherry on top to to a great game for both teams and it was just this ultimate kind of how can you think to do that when there's so little time left like i mean it's just it's so that dude's a, a magician man he's so good i'm yeah. like that kid is, I'm, I'm saying kid i feel like i'm an old guy um luca is very very good yeah and there's something i don't know what it's happening, but I don't know if they're using this. This kind of goes into the overall gameplay and production quality of the games in the bubble. But for some reason, they just look really good. Like, like I don't know, did they get better cameras? Like, why would the mm -hmm. camera quality be different with in these kind of smaller arenas with no fans? Like the the quality of the production is better. And overall, I'm just going to say, like, there definitely had some moral quandaries with the bubble. But I'm going to write that down. As a, yes. As far as a basketball product, I like bubble basketball better than anything I've ever watched. Like, I realize that I hate fans. I realize that like the camera people on the sidelines. Get them the out basket. of here. We don't need them Get anymore. Get them out of here. Like, why do we even have still photographers at basketball games anymore? No offense to the photographers. Like, I love a good sports pick, but it just seems weird to risk these players' health for like the sports section photo of whatever player doing whatever thing. I don't know. It's It's... It's basketball at its purest, and it's also done an interesting thing with leveling the playing field in a way. So it's not like, so there was always like this hype and this power and like, let's say a, a Warriors game when they had those kind of raucous crowds, 
but then you would watch like a whack wizards game and there's like nobody at the game and it's like ooh, it's kind of sapping the energy of the players and it's sapping the energy from the audience and now without that i think that's maybe adding to the competitive feel of everything but everything's on this level playing field there's no there's no subconscious like oh i should be phoning this game in because no one really cares about this game everything kind of feels on the same plane and it's also had sorry i'm I'm rambling a bit but it also has i've I've been watching some of the wnba games and the wnba games feel basically the same as the nba games once you remove the fans it's like just get rid of the fans i don't know i don't be yeah we don't need us (laughs) yeah i don't not at all not at all yeah it takes away the gladiator aspect too with these like rich people with their legs crossed in the front row while players tra- like trip over them and risk injury. And yeah, I don't like that part of the game. Yeah. I think um, it just, it, it, there's so much more space for them to play, even though, I mean, of course they're, yeah. they're staying in the lines. It still feels like, you know, if a ball goes out of bounds, a player chases it down, you know, towards the tunnel or whatever, that wouldn't happen in normal times. And it was so congested underneath the basket. And, and it just feels, I don't know, it feels so sort of, um, it, it just, it, it feels like it has its own life more without the congestion of the crowd. And I really love watching that. And, um, I am going to say that I do want to be a zoom fan. And I was wondering <laughs> oh, if no. the Pelicans had reached out to you. Like, if you had gotten any emails or anything uh, about... Um... I'm sure I get Pelicans emails. I'm sure I've got some of those emails, but I would never... Like, no one looks good on that. Like, the way it's, like, cropped and, like, people's faces look all... No, everyone has a like, square head and everyone's and a robot. And yeah. It's, it's strange. Like, people are putting their babies up there and then they're, like random celebrities like Lil Wayne is in there and Paul Pierce is in there. It's, it's, it's bad. I don't like that. I wish they would have leaned into, no, sorry. I, I take that back. I don't want to judge your wanting to do that. If you want to do that, that's fine. But I, I wish they would have really embraced all the weirdnesses of it and just had like, I love, love, love the WNBA backdrops because it's just like black box mm-hmm. theater, like maybe a few bits of branding, a few logos, but really just like a black backdrop. And I love that. Like there's something, I mean, just like being the contemporary artist, there's something very contemporary art about sure. it. <laughs> and I think minimalism has a role in this time that we're like living through as far as recognizing what, yeah. what we need to and what we what we actually want, and also, I mean, applying that to to the bubble, um, they had to to think about how to do things in, in a minimal way as well. Um, so, I and I see your point about the WNBA too, and I think um, my desire to be a Zoom fan is sort of why I also got married in a, the pandemic. It's just like the idea of just being like. I did because I know that as soon as they can, fans will be back because fans are money, you know? And so just this idea that, um, you know, they're not going to have Zoom fans forever. And uh, I want to check it off the list. (laughs) Yeah, this could be the one time and you can get like a nice screenshot of. (laughs) Me going like. That's true. It's like. (laughs) 
you gotta yeah we gotta embrace the strangeness of this time and yeah on the other side of this you'll have like a nice memory of being a zoom fan during a game right i, I, I mean, mean so- not to not to not to be like rude and kind of petty but your your warriors aren't in it so yeah, yeah my words are in it. And I really have to say that that's taken a lot of stress out of this whole thing. Like I I think that I just I feel so free with every game because it has no impact on the team that I would be rooting for normally. And I know that, you know, I've been trying to it's kind of complicated. LSAO is now rooting for the Lakers, but I was like, oh, I'll, I'll whoa, root for whoa, the Thunder. Whoa, whoa. I thought he was a Thunder I know, fan. But then, you know, Russell Westbrook left and now he, you know, he's always like LeBron and he's, I mean, he's rooting for the Thunder too, but whatever. So I know I said I would root for the Thunder as, uh, you know, the to Thunder show, are good. show solidarity. This was before the bubble. So I feel like even better yeah. about my choice. And now he's not even really actively as like rooting as much for the Thunder as I am. Um, but I'm going to stick with the Thunder for now just because I've not really gotten to, the chance to root for them in the past, you know, whatever, ever. And <laughs> so they're my team. Um, and So you've chosen a team in this. I, I have. I have chosen a team. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but my level of investment is not as high as it would be if the Warriors were competing. Um, so yeah, you were kind of, you were kind of an emotional wreck last year during the, the no, run. Yeah. So this is like a, lo- a lot more fun. It's like a basketball <laughs> vacation. I mean, it's just like a va- vacation yeah. from my normal, uh, golden state warrior, uh, way of being. <laughs> a, a vacation, a vacation to Disneyland. A vacation, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or Disney world. Sorry. Right, yeah. Disney we got to get the but... theme park. Right. Um, which also has yeah. its own, I mean, there's like that, I feel like falls into the moral quandary. Uh, oh, the level, the levels of like <laughs> weird corporate layering and complicity. And it's just strange. Yeah. It's strange. Like the fact that they're in the state that is literally burning down from COVID infections, but they have, hour turnaround times daily for every single bit of personnel but then I I came around on that this week at first I was like I had my like socialist hat on and I was like <laughs> like tisk tisk like here's corporate America like abusing everything but I'm like like we shouldn't be mad at them because they have their shit together and they're actually doing the right thing it's like America could have done that like America had no dearth of resources to have as much testing and preparation as possible they just didn't prepare and they didn't like do the things that were needed to do so why are we mad at the nba because they figured it out and actually put muscle behind their goals and wanting to like actually make this thing happen Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the ickiness from, you know, there's some ickiness around several things. And one of them is the testing. I agree that the, uh, there's the testing issue is an issue. And I also think that the NBA is setting this example to the country about how you can effectively live during and go about daily. I mean, how much it takes to go about daily life during COVID, like how much, how much resources, how much organization, how much, how many people's brains it takes to put together something that, you know, from the players to, you know, doctors to whoever, like how, how this can, work. And um, I think that that is, is a bit of a, is a good thing to see playing out because we're seeing the opposite in baseball. And I'm sure we're going to see something maybe similar in football, unless they do something radical that they haven't done yet in their planning. Um, 
And so I think that it speaks to what we need. I mean, if the, if, okay, so I'm having a lot of issues right now with Adam Silver. Like I've never wanted Adam Silver more on the podcast. And also, I mean, just to like kind of grill. Um, and I, I don't know. He comes out looking pretty good right now. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I mean he's aside, like... from, aside from, oh boy, all the like China stuff and like the China camps. Have you been following that story? Yeah. Like that's ugly. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I know. And it just, but, as soon as we start talking about human rights in the United States, like we also have to talk about human rights in other places. And it's just, it, it can feel slightly empty when we're not, when, you know, money is being made uh, in places that, that atrocities are, are happening every day. I mean, and as they are here, but just in such an organized, systemized way there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that I, so I want Adam Silver to be president right now, <laughs> you know, because he can clearly, you know, get some shit done. And I also just really want to push him a little bit on some of the, I, I just have this, I, uh, um, and this is around the protests and around what's going, I mean, and I'm using the word protest, not everyone is using the word protest for what's going on. Um, and we can, I want to talk a little bit about Bomani Jones, as you know, I'm a big Bomani fan and uh, he's sure, been talking a lot about this. Um, and so basically I just, um, this whole, this whole project about Adam Silver started because Adam Silver reminded players they had to stand for the national anthem before the 2017 season. And so I want Adam Silver to say that. I want him to say that he made a mistake. I know. That's, that's not going to happen. I know, like, I know. But I just, like, I want the NBA to say that we could have done better in the past. Um, and I know, I know. No, they could, they could do that. And that would almost be, that's not even like that big a deal to do right now. The thing that I find both impressive about the NBA, but also kind of insidious is that they're the company and the organization that's just really good at skirting this line of, of presenting themselves as this conscious and progressive organization while simultaneously not alienating and keeping all of their corporate interests happy in a very deft and kind of scary way. And it's, it's both interesting to look at, but also I don't want to be that person who's an NBA fan that's afraid to talk about these things because I like, we, we spent the first couple of minutes of this conversation talking about, just the actual gameplay like we're both basketball fans like we're both basketball nerds so we just jumped right to the actual gameplay but the the major thing that's like the takeaway and like what people who aren't necessarily big basketball fans they're looking at how the nba is dealing with all of the kind of social justice presentation and the names on the back of the jerseys and what things they're doing as far as like initiatives in the community and if bringing players into the bubble is like a distraction and like a taking away from resources of these players actually being in their communities. And I come out on that feeling a little weird and not sure what my full thoughts are. Um, like I 
kind of love the jerseys. Like I love some of the weirder phrases like love us. Like I love, love us. Like that's a good one. <laughs> I like education reform, which just feels like, <laughs> like, it's just so funny to just see that without any other information around. You know, yeah, just... it's so weird. It's so weird. Like just getting crossed up. Like I've, I heard a Hannibal Burris on like a podcast and he was like, I think it was like the Bill Simmons one. He was like, yeah, get dunked on with like justice on your back. And like you got like dunked on with Black Lives Matter on your back. Yeah, it's like, you got to choose wisely what you're putting on your jersey before you get embarrassed out there. Um, but it's like the NBA is just really good at skirting this line, but they, they were on the wrong side of like the China stuff. They were on the wrong side of the Hong Kong stuff. Um, and to his credit, your boy, Steve Kerr was like the only person who in like recent weeks came out and said he personally handled the conversation around China wrong back at the beginning of the season but no one else is ever going to say that. Like Adam Silver is not going to say that. LeBron James is not going to say that. There was that weird LeBron James press conference when the whole season started and Daryl Morey said what he was going to say. And they basically protected the pockets of everyone. So it just feels like I hate being that person who, because I'm not that like Gen Z person who has to have the perfect purity test of like, oh, like, so-and-so voted for X, Y, and Z. Like, we can't vote for them now. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly good at seeing the gray and everything, but it is weird to have the NBA presenting itself as this progressive organization while also being completely not progressive in so many other ways. Like what you were saying with the, the national anthem thing before, like, the NBA was the one that had that in their actual collective bargaining agreement that you couldn't right for the pledge yeah it's weird yeah i i agree i mean i just um uh, it's really uh i'm not uh, i've come down i have mixed feelings too about the i just don't think that we should be treating what the players are doing in the bubble as acts of protest uh True. In, in replacement for any other type of protesting that's needed or any other type of activism, of course. So I think that sometimes yeah. uh, when a player does something, it's like, well, is that all you're going to do or what else is going to happen? And then it, we just need to treat that as like one thing that's happening and then something else is happening over here. And and hopefully the messaging is similar and the, the issues are being spoken on. So I'm, I'm kind of for, I mean, there's some, there's parts of it that feel a little creepy to me in corporate, like how outside of the arena, they have like Black Lives Matter flags hanging from the light posts on the street. Like, that's kind of like, who who put, whose idea was that? And doesn't that feel like, but at the same time, uh, you know, sometimes the broadcasters are now talking about Black Lives Matter, um, not in maybe uh, the way, I mean, in a way that maybe is still sort of, um, I don't know. I mean, there's still some feeling of like they're speaking about it in a certain way for their audience and in a way that is, you know, comfortable for their company. But uh, that's important to talk about, you know, um, police violence and systemic racism, like even hearing broadcasters talk about systemic racism that has to have some kind of value. Um, Oh, it's wild. It's like, imagine. Yeah. And that's when I come out on the side of being like, this is a net positive, even if it's not perfect in the fact that man like two years ago we would have never even thought there would be like like 
I don't know who it was, like Doris Burke and like whoever the announcer was with her. And they're just like talking about Brianna Taylor and talking about all this stuff. I'm just like that. Like if we take a step back, that is like a profound and really good thing. Even if the impetus for it has all of these corporate underbelly underpinning whatever to it um yeah it's i also i'm this is this is me just being a little too honest and like i don't know i'm i'm wrong about this but i (laughs) i'm definitely wrong and i'm not a good person but every press conference every like sideline thing the players feel this very good-hearted desire to like speak about the issues that they're they want to speak about and they're like oh we have a lot of work to do and like they're definitely right but I I always feel like man this is this is systemic oppression at its greatest it's like the people who are the victims of the systemic oppression are now the people that have to like add another job to their like full-time job. They have to answer for it. Yeah. It's like being a basketball player is not enough. Like I know like they're more than basketball players, but it's like they now have to wear this other hat all the time, every moment. And like, what if a player, like for me, equality, for me, freedom is eventually the freedom to like actually be free from this and to um like I don't know what I was listening to before but um oh, what's her what's her name but Ma- Melissa Harris Perry do you know her Mm-mm. she she was like a Tulane professor but like a like a sociologist like a cultural critic and she had this talk where she was saying that in in like black culture and like I don't know like media there's always this idea of like you're either like the kings and queens or you're like the the criminal and the like the you're the like top or bottom you know so it's like you're either like almost like thinking about so I'm rambling a little bit but like thinking of like Beyonce's blackest king where it's all about like black royalty and this that or the other and for me like real freedom is the freedom to just be kind of normal and average and boring. And it's like, what if one of these players just wants to show up and play basketball? Will we just look down on them for that? Like, but (laughs) for me, that's the ultimate like goal is for these black men to just be human beings in the world and not have to have multiple spheres that they're functioning in at these incredibly high levels. I don't know. No, I think that's a really interesting point because that is just an extra responsibility and an extra thing to have to pay attention to. Of course, like, you know, a lot of people are paying attention to the news right now, but not everyone is shouldering the responsibility of responding to the news as it happens or, you know, with things or or just having to form opinions um, and, and and speak on those. And so I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I remember in 2017 that I... I going into that season because Adam Silver had sent out that memo. I really wanted all the players to kneel. And it was right after the Warriors had gone to uh, had, had refused to go to the white house for the first time. And it was just like, you know, this, this could happen. And I, I mean, I think I was, you know, the kneeling and the kneeling is so getting to mean 
I mean, it's, I don't know if it means different things now, but like, it's different from when it started. And so, and I think even when I was like, oh, I want the players to kneel for the national anthem in 2017, it would have meant something different then. Like, I don't think it can ever necessarily mean what it meant when Colin Kaepernick and like the few players that did it with him in the beginning, when they started, it can't, it can't be translated. But even me wanting them all to kneel is like projecting something like, here's what you should do with your body, you know, and I'm the fan. And, and it's just more, even if it's like, you know, from a perspective, that would seemingly be more progressive it's still like me desiring a certain thing from the players uh just like you know other people desire them not to talk about politics or not to do this I'm like oh I want you to talk about them and so I think that that is a really tricky dynamic and it just um you know I think that when I turned on the first game of the bubble I don't know what I would have thought if there was like one player kneeling and everyone else standing for the national anthem. Like, I, I think that I would have felt, I don't know, but it was, it was like the opposite of that. Um, in the circumstance, of course, there's like a few players that haven't, haven't knelt and it's actually kind of nice to just have conversations about why they're not kneeling. I mean, I mean, not that they should have to do that, but just that we should be talking about what the national anthem means. I mean, in whatever capacity, two different people, and we should be talking about patriotism. Or why they're even playing the fucking that sorry why they're even playing the national anthem it's like it it almost becomes so weird and bizarre that you have to take three steps back and it's like if everyone is kneeling for the national anthem you have to take a step back and realize it's like why did these sports leagues ever become so weirdly intertwined with patriotism of some weird kind and i mean in the nfl it's even more kind of explicit with the actual like monetary deals they had with the branches of the military and how like football was this kind of pipeline to the military as it relates to like college football and high school football and all of these things i don't i don't think it's as explicit with the nba but it's still yeah and then it i always come down on like protesting should be annoying and it should be uncomfortable so once it becomes the norm and once it becomes the status quo now it has like we have to figure out something new like the new thing needs to be like everyone is like takes off their shirt or everyone like i don't know like yells while the national anthem is so I mean, I think that so the WNBA players were just sitting in the locker room for the national anthem, just sort of. And I mean, I feel like that is also a way that if the players aren't out there, eventually there's going to be no. I mean, what I think you're right. Like, we have to say, what does this mean here? What does this song mean in this place? What is it? Uh, who does it mean something to? And what does it necessarily mean to be? Patriotic. I mean, those are questions that I don't, I don't expect the NBA to answer what it means to be patriotic uh, necessarily, but just, I think that these instances call that into question. And I think you're right that it, um, I mean, I, there, there's no risk involved for the NBA players that are, that are kneeling and is sanctioned sort of institutionally sanctioned protest, uh, a protest. A protest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and if it's not a protest, does it still have value? And do we have a name for it? And I say yes to the first, and I don't know. Yeah, I definitely second. think it still has value. Like I I even like um I even like just the idea of it being it's definitely no longer a protest, but it is 
solidarity. It is like this really beautiful kind of collective action in a nice way. Um, so I'm okay with it to that to that extent. Yeah, and I think that um, in some ways, yeah, it just it feels like you know in solidarity with people that are outside the bubble that are that are sort of working on these issues on the ground and in solidarity a little bit with like Colin Kaepernick and what he did, like what he started. I feel like that, that means something. Um, I really, I really want to know what would have happened in the NBA if Colin Kaepernick had been, you know, point guard and decided to do the same thing. I mean, it kind of happened uh, with Chris Jackson, like Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, like. Yeah. But this was like post Donald Sterling. Like I'm wondering if it would have been any different, like in that era when the NBA had already started to be celebrated as, you know, like what we're saying, like that kind of the the progressive league and like sort of flirting with those two, the corporate groups and the, the, the progressive uh, wing. And it just, I just wonder. um, And I think that that is what, what I want to know because, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. I think that the jerseys, I, I mean, I felt really strange about the jerseys as I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before that the jersey, the, the approved list <laughs> of phrases was super creepy. Uh, even though I know that NBA players like were in those conversations, it just felt like, you know, most, like if someone chooses something that feels not appropriate, couldn't there be a conversation then rather than just sending out this this like laundry yeah. list of social justice phrases that lose all of their meaning as soon as you put more than one next to each other. Like nobody's gonna have um, a like. I don't. I don't think defund the police is on that list or like. I stand with. No. I stand with Hong Kong. Like that wasn't on the list. <laughs> no, and I mean, I just. I think. I mean, I, I wish that those. I just wish that there was no list, and I wish that there. You know, people put what they want or what they don't. You know, if they don't want to have anything, I think that's also an interesting conversation that comes up with the jerseys. Some people not. You know, a lot of mostly stars that I see choosing not to have anything. Yeah, that's great. Like just their their family name, and um, you know, Jimmy Butler saying, "I don't even want to have my last name on it. I kind of want to stand in for everyone." Uh, You know, all, all the people that are oppressed by this system. I think that has a lot of power, and I don't understand why they wouldn't let him do that because. No, I mean, what does it matter if if people have say their names or uh, I am a man or whatever? Like, if that's on their jersey, why can't I mean, no one is being identified by their jersey? Like, what's and we know who Jimmy Butler is? Like, he's one of the most famous people in the league. (laughs) Right? There's gonna be no no confusion there. So that was just uh, that was something that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess I I I it it's some kind of contribution that they're making to this conversation. And I appreciate a majority of what is taking place there uh, on the NBA's behalf. But I think we just need a new vocabulary to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I just don't know what, like, I wish, I wish there was some kind of weirdo player that was willing to push the NBA on like where their, activism ends it's like what's that line that a player can't cross that would uh, <laughs> I would love right. but it, it seems like everyone's got a lock and step in an interesting way which proves that the NBA is just like a really well-run organization and there's like good dialogue between 
management and the players and Chris Paul, who's like the head of the players association and all that. So I guess that's admirable, but it does make things a little less weird and I'm always rooting for weird. So. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that the more, the more different conversations that can come from this as far as perspectives and I just think the better. So that's why um, like, uh, Jonathan Isaacs, yeah, I think yeah. so uh, the, that's his the name. Magic, the, yeah. yeah, the player for the. Oh, I felt so bad yeah, the magic. Did, um, I know it's so shitty, um, and especially just with the spotlight being on him in a way that it probably hasn't been on yeah. him before, because you know the Magic aren't like a mm-hmm. prime time normally aren't a prime time team, and then he takes this stand, and then he has this like you know season ending injury. Um, but I think that there was so much. That's just an, it's just asking him what he thinks about what's going on. I mean, I just think that like, if people want to voice their opinions and want to express themselves differently and talk about it, then that is a good thing right now within yeah. this space. And so even though I, I didn't understand exactly where he was coming from and I don't, I don't necessarily have the same beliefs as him. I still was like, this has value in a it. sense, you know, it, it adds yeah. to, yeah, it adds some, because I, I think the lockstep love, yeah, thing. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like the falling in to line to, protest i mean it, that doesn't work no. necessarily so that feels a little um so that was that was interesting and um yeah i just we'll just see what um i think we also of course and this is just like a blanket statement for always but like the owners i mean i would just wish that the owners are i think they have banded together to donate like a large amount of money to uh grassroots organizations in every NBA city or something like that. But I just wish that, you know, there's a few, maybe, I don't even think there's a few, but there's one owner that speaks regularly about social issues, it seems, and that, you oh, know, yeah, true. Cuban. Um, but he's, he's, but he's got his that, issues. Just, oh my God, no, I, I, I'm, I'm celebrating that he's talking, but not always necessarily what he's yeah. saying. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I actually just, just finished Lamar Odom's memoir where he writes about how poorly he was treated by Mark Cuban. Oh my God. Yeah. It was a, it was a wild Kardashian filled ride, especially towards the end. (laughs) Um, but so I just think that the, I wish the owners, uh, because like you said, um, the responsibility is being placed on the players and, and, you know, somewhat on the coaches to, to, to sort of contribute and talk about these things and, and speak up. And I just think that we need more of, and, 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 and we also need them to be using their money. You know, if the owners have a lot of wealth, I just think that like, it would be powerful if, if they spoke yeah. up more, yeah. but I'm, I'm also guessing they probably don't agree with everything. And it's well. like, that's like the, that's like the power of being that person who's the puppet master where it's like, we don't even know who half of these owners are. Like you're able to just be this billionaire person who owns this prize thing. And you're able to just kind of hang back and no one actually expects you or asks you to be on the front lines of any of these things. And it's only when you're like really bad at your job, like a James Dolan, or you're like, owner of like a really famous franchise like like you own the lakers or you own the knicks or something like that but it's like like who right. owns i don't know like who owns the 
the Denver Nuggets. I don't know, like some like <laughs> some billionaire. Yeah, I think they they own the Denver soccer team too. I mean, that's just all I know. But yeah, I mean, there's like random. Yes, totally. Don't have no idea. Like, yeah, they can take their that. time. They can have their publicists like write a nice statement, and they don't have to like have that mental energy of of being front and center and having the microphone like right in front of them. Like I just have so much, like I kind of made fun of some of the NBA players a few minutes ago, but I have such a respect for them and like a, such a um, like admiration. And like, I don't like if I was 22, 23, 24 years old and somebody put a microphone in front of me and asked me to talk about why I have like, I am a man or black lives matter or whatever on the back of my shirt. And I'm like, after a game and I'm exhausted, it's just like something crazy is going to come out of my mouth. Like it's not going to be super articulate. It's not going to be like, I went, I went to one of the protests here in new Orleans after, um, after George Floyd's killing. And it was like a whole week of protests. And for one of them, uh, like one of the times Picky Yoon reporters came up to me and was just like asking some questions. Like he was just coming up to random people and he was like, Oh, so why are you out here today? And usually I'm pretty articulate, but I like said, like, I could not formulate like a real statement. I was like, ah, like I'm out here to show support and solidarity. It was just like, it wasn't like cogent at all. And yeah, so I just have such an admiration for somebody who can, it's like in my brain, I know what I believe and I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm, I think about some of these things, but to be at the ready like that is very impressive, but I always go back to it. It's just like, I wish, I wish they didn't have to be so front and center with it. Right. And then, you know, rather than being questioned, it could be, I guess there's this there's this line of, uh, you know, and I think we saw this in the last dance with reporters just like swarming, you know, every time Michael Jordan like stepped yeah. out of the locker room, it was so, it was so, you know, almost, I mean, I just, I mean, it's super creepy and just like, you know, a little bit violent, like just the way they like surround him, you know, and I mean, violent in a abstract sense, oh, but just that has that violent. same kind of way that you would, you like come at someone and like, you're not letting them out of their space like you're not giving them freedom of yeah, movement half, half for you know until you get what like you want to, like <laughs> oh my god yeah and so i just think that like this idea that i guess my wish is that players who want to say something say something when they want to rather than being asked to do so exactly. if that makes sense rather than being like held held to to answer for something especially when you know i mean we could go on about sideline interviews or the questions that are asked of coaches of players whenever it's just like I just feel like even the questions about social justice issues are are falling sometimes falling flat because it's like let's all go into this knowing that we sort of are aware of this a moment right now rather than having um, a player have to like recount the news exactly exactly I feel that way but then I do think there's something interesting about like the posterity of it all and the fact that like who knows what this footage is going to mean and be 30 20 40 years from now like it could be pretty poignant in a way to see some of this especially the way democracy and like civil rights are hanging on by a thread in this world right now like 
we could have an existence where we like look wistfully at this time where people were able to voice their opinions or we could be Oh God! <laughs> Sorry, that was dark. <laughs> but we could also. No, no, no. I, I think it's an important point. Yeah. So it's like, who knows what this document will be? Um, I don't know. In the future, so I'm I'm okay with it to that extent. Sure. I think also. I think it was Taylor yeah, Rooks sure. who um, she had asked LeBron James, sort of, what what does the world look like that you would rather oh. live in? Um, in, in? Not in, I'm sort of paraphrasing. I think she probably said it uh, in a little bit more eloquent way, but I just think that that is, you know, when we talk about like reimagining, you know, that has a lot of power to it. And I think that asking not like about, we, I mean, I just think that that has its own sort of uh, power to, to give someone the space to think about like what their desire is rather than um, asking them to sort of comment on some horrible thing, but just to think about like, what does it look like when, when the, when these issues are, are dealt with properly. Um, so I appreciated that. that yeah, that's a great question because it's that, it's that next step, you know, it's not this like stop gap right now where it's like, how do we, at every moment's notice respond to the news, but it's like, what do we actually want the world to be in the future? And I actually think LeBron James is probably one of the, like not one of, but definitely a person that I think has decent answers for that probably. Like, I like this more than, not more than, what's it called? More than a vote? Like whatever the voting rights kind of initiative they're working yeah, on Yeah, more than a vote, yeah. Um, yeah that's like, and he's paying off all those fines in Florida, which yeah, that's I think all is good great. Stuff. That's all good stuff. Uh, I mean, he's still this like yeah. big time Nike athlete and like, I'm sure is like towing the China line and all that. But it's like, I'm okay with people being like weird balls of contradiction. Like, that's fine. <laughs> yes, you have, um, you have never contradicted yourself on loving Love contradiction. contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> and you always have. I mean, as far as, you know, uh, as long as I've known you, you've uh, stayed true to that. So I, I appreciate you. you yeah, there's just no way. There's just no way to be right about everything. So it's like, yeah. No, but I think it is important to keep kind of um, because one thing that the the a lot of conservative politicians often seem to use the the NBA um, dealings with China. Uh, to criticize the NBA, how the whether the NBA can be yeah. effective or not here, or what 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 if what they're doing means anything, and I think that those criticisms have a lot of value. It's just who they're coming from, who I, I feel like is because I don't I don't feel like there's anyone that is properly dealing with with China uh, as far as these these camps go. So it just I don't think it's I, I wish that the NBA would address it in a really dramatic way. And I also just don't, I think that like, I, I just don't have any patience with the politicians criticizing the NBA for not doing that when really like they also could, could. A hundred percent because it's completely disingenuous because they don't give a shit about China. Like they don't give, yeah, they, yeah. they just want something to like put a chink in the NBA's armor and to keep allowing themselves to be justified in their like civil rights infractions and lack of respect yeah. for those things so 
And it happens to be almost exclusively white men criticizing almost exclusively black men exactly. in this case. And it's uh, that that just not it's not uh, it's not where it's at right now. <laughs> like, that's not the conversation that I want to um, I mean, that just that doesn't get us any further along with the issues that we have that are our own. Um, yeah. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about was my friend, Brian, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. I was talking to him the other night and he suggested that the NBA should have had like mini docs about certain things, like about education reform or about uh, where's um, I am a man. That's a great from. idea. So maybe, yeah, like, and then, the, and then it would have been on the NBA a little bit to answer some of these questions. So rather than Mike Conley getting, you know, and maybe Mike Conley wants to speak about it, but rather than him being the one that's responsible for sharing that, what that message means, like the NBA being like, well, you know, this dates back to 1968 and this is what was happening. And, um, you know, blah, 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 the connect, you know, that Memphis is one of the NBA's uh, cities, like all the stuff that could have kind of played into that. And I thought that was really smart of Brian. And I just thought that that could have had so much value, you know, as far as the content that we're putting out and how do we balance out like the necessary with the entertainment. Yeah, especially in this world where if anything has been shown over the last couple months is the massive hole in our education and like what things about like America's racial history actually make it to the textbooks and actually make it to the classrooms. Um, so yeah, that would be actually pretty radical for the NBA to like step in there and and give those lessons. But yeah, it's like if they would want to to even do that. That yeah, that would be that would be cool. Yeah, I'm I'm for that. Yeah, I always go back to like like yeah, I hate being that person who's like the weird conservative who's like because I'm I'm not conservative. Well, I'm more conservative than a lot of my like like artsy things. You have contradictions <laughs> just like anyone else. But Come on. Like, yeah, it's like I don't need I don't need I like I really don't need my celebrities. I don't need my athletes to have good answers about any of these things. Like I don't need them to like like I don't need Kanye West to run for president. Like I don't need like like it's nice it's nice that LeBron James knows like is socially conscious and knows a lot of these things and is willing to put his like voice behind some of these things, but I would be perfectly fine with him not being that. I mean, maybe I'm contradicting myself again, because I do think that there is a responsibility in like having that level of power and money and exposure does have responsibility with it. Um, yeah. I just, I don't need the NBA to be my, like Saturday morning special or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally see. I mean, I think that it I, I think that in, in the perfect sense, it, it could be put on without the players potentially. Like it could just be about like these particular, like, you know, there could be footage of the players, but it, it wouldn't necessarily have to be, you know, on them to, to teach yeah. the lesson. The weird thing um, is, oh, I just think that they, Oh no, I was just going to say, um, I, I just am interested in the response. If the NBA is going to be what seems to says it, say it is, says it is, say it is. Um, I think it needs to take like a little bit more of a stance. I mean, and that, but that stance in this case would just be talking about history or talking about like 
facts. Like it doesn't, there's not, it's not an opinion. It's this is what has occurred. And I think that that realization or that acting on that could, could have its own sort of. I wonder, like, maybe I've just missed it. Like I haven't done a great job. I've watched a lot of the games and I've, I kind of took a break from like talk radio and podcasts, like in the middle of this like pandemic. Cause it was just like the same stuff. And I just didn't feel, I just needed like a break from those things going into my ears and brain. Um, yeah. I find it interesting that the NBA does have this generation of older players, namely like Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who are, who are alive now, like still of great mental facility, who were around during civil rights and who were incredibly outspoken, like radically so. And I wonder if they're just like, if I was the NBA, they would be front and center. Like they would be people that I would love to have in on this conversation and putting things in context in some kind of a way. But maybe those two people in particular are almost a little too radical for the NBA. Like they're, they're fine for the NBA as long as it's about basketball, but like, they're like these two very uncompromising figures and, I don't think the NBA would be perfectly comfortable with everything that would come out of like a conversation between Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar about that. But I, I would love that. I would love to see something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right that they're, I mean, they, that the NBA needs to be able to sort of control or like package things up in a sort of pretty way. And uh, I think both Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar are very much of the, uh, I mean, it seems like they would think that there's no pretty way to discuss, exactly. you know, these issues or our history. So why would we, why would we bother doing that? And the NBA is already doing those commercial, I mean, they're not commercials. I mean, they're kind of NBA commercials, but with, you know, footage of the players protesting and stuff like that. Those oh, montages. Oh, those are so corny to me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it just it just feels like I no 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 no. I I totally see that. Especially it's like if if maybe it was once, you know, it might have more power, but like every time it's like maybe make something else or like or fill in like why not spend 30 seconds talking about the I am a man exactly. protest signs and how they were used. Like and just have that be, you know, um and then just flash, you know, players that are wearing that on the back of their jerseys. I just think that like that could be a better use of their time cuz like th- those videos just end at the same place of like, what's next? You know, it's like, oh, the players were just doing this. Now they're all in this bubble. How do we address these issues? You know, and it just doesn't, it doesn't take that next step that we so, we so need to, not need, but like that would just be nice to see. And, and I mean, I think that, yeah, just it, that could, that could help. Um, but yeah, I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is just sort of like more burn it down than, uh, and the NBA might be. He's one of my favorite humans. Like, and so yeah. underrated. Like those two players, it's like the conspiracy theorist in me just thinks that they are. I mean, they're undeniable in the history of basketball, but they're arguably the like one and two. Like, why do we even have like a Michael Jordan LeBron debate? Like, it's really a Bill Russell Kareem Abdul Jabbar debate. Like, they're. <laughs> like the two best players of all time. And I mean, I love Michael Jordan, but it's because of their outspoken politics that they're kind of 
in the periphery in a way. Yes, I mean, they're just not as, they're not like the friendly, nope. congenial <laughs> face that, that Michael Jordan was, um, which long-term I think could, could be, uh, yeah, could affect change in such a, you know, uh, more radical way than, than Michael Jordan did or, or could even, have. Even though Michael, Michael's um, coming, he's looking all right in this time. Like, I feel like he, Yeah, no, he, I mean, I did right not now, like yeah. him any less after the doc. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I liked him a little bit more, which of course is problematic. Also, like, you know, it's, I just, I'm way too, it's way too easy for me to just get swept up into the romance of things, like, you know, and so I just didn't realize until like six episodes in that they didn't mention Craig Hodges, like things like that, you know, and so that was, that was, even though I know about Craig Hodges, I've emailed I Craig Hodges, he's I never responded, Craig but I've emailed him, yeah. like, I, he's great, you know, like, I'm a big fan and uh, and especially of what he's done like with basketball, not just on the court. And it's just, um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not always the best ju- judgment about Michael Jordan. I just can't help it. I get like, you know, swept up into the moment and, and think that he's kind of the shit. Yeah, I, so anyways, in retrospect. Well, it's interesting because I think the documentary was definitely um, in his hands, like nothing made it onto the documentary that he didn't eventually want to have in the documentary. But that said, it didn't paint him in this like rosy light in an interesting way, which I found no. compelling. Um, yeah, was it? He's yeah, complicated. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a thoroughly enjoyable time watching every single moment of that documentary. But I also left the documentary being like, Okay, so that's it. Like, that's what happens when you're the best at what you do and, like, you're singularly focused. And, yeah, Michael Jordan doesn't seem happier than Reggie Miller or Charles Barkley or all these... Or Steve, Steve Kerr. Kerr all, these, all these people that he vanquished or that were, like, his sidekicks in any sort of way. Um, so it was, a, it was weirdly uplifting in a way where it's like okay you don't have to be Michael Jordan to like win at the game of life because it seems like Michael Jordan hasn't actually even won the game of life despite winning everything else no and it's so interesting because I think that um both as a basketball player and as a sort of person who was attached with brands and was in commercials and stuff like that he was sort of pitched as someone who was winning at life yeah. as well and so I think that you know noticing that about this that it kind of directly contradicts that scene when he's in the hotel room and he's just like yeah this is kind of it yeah, you know? yeah. Just like, so lonely. yeah or just I mean yeah and like the the um the swarms just the the ugliness of I mean you know I don't know what I, I kept thinking, like, what would I have done if I was in, you know, Barcelona and I knew where Michael Jordan was staying? Like, would I also wait outside the hotel room and like scream and whatever? Maybe. Yeah, why um, not? I mean, depends <laughs> on what age I was. <laughs> but like, I just, I mean, just like, uh, it's just so, I, I remember that the, in particular, this is not an, an MJ scene, but with Dennis Rodman, when Dennis had gone to, to wrestle or whatever, um, and he comes back and there's that scene in the locker room where they're trying to oh, sneak yeah, him yeah. out the and they have to like get him out that door. 
Yeah, and they're the reporters are carrying yeah. these huge video cameras, and they're like running up these like suit like concrete steps. I'm like, this cannot end well, you know. And it just it was like, this is so. Is this what it is? Like, is this is this right? Is this good? Like, is this a good thing that's I, happening? I mean, in hindsight, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Dennis Robin loves that that happened. Like, I mean, it's an amazing. Yeah, who scene, who wouldn't sure. want to be I mean, the most famous people in the world for like a short <laughs> like, for like a short period of time? I don't know. Like, a few years, yeah. yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so extreme with Michael Jordan. I can understand that was just another level. I also just loved that insight into his relationship with his security guards, uh, which was Who so were like funky. his actual most like closest friends, or I don't. <laughs> which is sad. Yeah, and, Gus. I mean, Gus was like know. his dad and his friend. Yeah. Yeah. And he gave him the ball from that yeah. Pacer series. I mean, that was yeah. I actually so when Justin. Shout out Justin nice. Bryant, amazing artist. When Justin was here, he decided he had not watched The Last Dance yet, so I ended up rewatching right. it of with him. Of course you did, yes. And, <laughs> yeah, and there were so many times where I was like, oh my God, something, you know, this is about to happen. I was like, he's going to give him the ball, the game-winning ball. Gus is going to get the yeah, ball. Yeah, because the guy know? came back like... from, like, I guess he had, like, cancer. Yeah, that's, like, his one right. actual friend and, like, paid his doctor bills and all of that. There was, like, an interesting, like, I don't know, Beauty and the Beast kind of aspect of it, where it's like the monster that lives in the castle that no one can actually get close to, except for these few people that aren't actually in his world, but have to be in his world for very practical reasons. Um, And he ends up being closer to them than, yeah, it's... (laughs) And the teammates, like, it sounds like he, I mean, he just didn't, yeah, I mean, he wasn't um, close with his his teammates as much as with those security guards, even though he might have had more in common with some of his or teammates. Or his, like, best friend is his driver, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, I know, that was in, that was a curveball um, as well. Yeah, I, uh, I I loved it, um, and it was, it was a great way to, I mean, it was just lots of exciting information. Um, I loved the scene after, so when the Bulls um, win and then they're leaving on the bus and Carl Malone gets on the bus and he like walks to I the back love of the bus that and scene. His, his hand on Michael Jordan's cheek, like, I mean, they're both just like, say hi to your wife, say to your wife. And I was just like, what a tenderness. Yeah. I mean, what a just, what a respect. Um, and uh, no offense to the bad boys, but we, we did not get something similar from the bad boys. I love <laughs> that too. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> because you love all of it you love like, all of I, it you love the walking off you love the cradling I want, the face I, want, <laughs> I, I like the realness like so the that was like a real moment between Michael Jordan and Carl Malone <laughs> also like there was like a similar one when they beat the Pacers the round before and Michael Jordan and like Larry Bird have like a moment in the kind of like walkway behind the arena He's like, work on your golf yeah, game. Like, like, work on your like, golf game, like yeah. Something like that. And uh, right. I was like, I love that so much. But I like the Pistons being like, 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 forget these people. Like, we're, we're out. Like, I like the pettiness. I like the competitiveness. I hate fakeness. I hate, like, I don't want people shaking hands that don't want to shake hands. Like, don't, don't fake it. Sure. So I, I like it all. <laughs> 
Yes. I, so I can get on board with part of that. So basically, one thing that I've realized recently is that you can insert any of those courtside interviews that are done with the players after the games about like, oh, you really turned it on in the fourth <laughs> quarter or you guys were battling, whatever. They can, you can insert anyone's response that any player's response from any game and it's almost exactly the same like it's not it's so generic it's not specific it is nothing it's like you know that they're a great team and when you're up against blah 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 you gotta blah 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 (laughs) and it's just like it has no actual real like value or any new information that we didn't already know and I mean I think it's you know yeah we get it you guys are all in the fucking yeah. nba like you we were all great like they're no a great team like we gotta you gotta <laughs> right so that feels so prescribed and so fake to me and i, I mean i you know um i guess i i'm like not i'm not on board with the pistons what they did but i also think like it just let it's like more of a it led to more of a conversation about whatever i mean it's just it's an interesting part of basketball history i would say the bad boys that's how i'm gonna let it live in my my 100%. world it's just an interesting intriguing part of basketball history and um i love that michael jordan is so pissed about it like i love that he's like yeah that was real and it's real right I, now i'm always surprised <laughs> that he didn't appreciate that because that just seems like down his alley like i don't know i feel like but he's so he's so sport he's so sportsmanship oriented it feels to me like i don't know i feel like when they would lose to the Pistons, they, I think that's why it was an issue because they would shake the Pistons' hand after those beatings. But he's still a petty competitor that I think probably at his heart of hearts sure. appreciated it in a way. Like anytime, anytime right. someone asks the bad boy Pistons about anything, they should just start by saying, you're welcome. Like you're welcome for like all the content, all of the footage, all of the like, like, you need a villain. Like, yeah, sure. Oh my God. So Bill yeah. Lambeer, like, should just be saying you're welcome. You you're, say you're welcome. You're welcome. Whenever anyone asks him anything. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. It's actually, it's also crazy to me that like Dennis Rodman, I mean, once he's on the Bulls, it's like that kind of is just put behind oh, yeah. everyone. You know, he was super, uh, I mean, he, yeah, he went after them hard. And I think that there was a level of respect. I mean, I'm sure that Michael Jordan... Actually, I don't know this for sure. I'm not going to finish that sentence. I don't know him, you know, whatever. I just also think it's crazy that Isaiah Thomas was calling that last game versus the Utah Jazz. And you can hear, yeah, which is also so interesting because he's just like, there's never been a competitor like him, like all this stuff. There is this level, because at the end of the day, it's this really small fraternity. I mean, there have only been like a couple thousand, like, I don't know, NBA players all together in all of history so even the ones you hate you still have more in common with them than you do with the next person across the street like it's there is this like brotherhood even amongst like the enemies it's like my enemy knows me like I'm reading um I'm reading uh the Dark Knight Returns which is like one of the Frank Miller Batman graphic Mm -hmm. novels from like the mid eighties. That was like the basis for some of the Christopher Nolan um, Batman movies, but they, they really like elaborate on like the weird codependent relationship between Batman and the Joker, where the Joker like kind of loves and needs Batman to keep being Batman. And (laughs) there's like a period of time when Batman is retired and when Batman retired, like 
Joker just becomes kind of catatonic and loses his like purpose for living. So it's like you need, yeah, like your enemies in that weird rarefied world. Your enemies are more friends than your friends usually. So there is something between Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan that will kind of always exist. I don't know. Sure. No. And I mean that was that was like a he had yeah the Bulls had to overcome like this huge like the Pistons were like, you know, the only thing sort of blocking them from getting to NBA finals like year after year. And it was just this, uh, I think you, you have to have a little bit of respect for that, but I don't want to speak for Michael <laughs> Jordan, but yeah, I he just, spoke I feel funny like, for himself in the um, 10 hour documentary. Yeah, he did. He does. <laughs> it just seemed like he, he got a few words in there. There was something else I wanted to say about, oh, shit. It was about Michael Jordan and the Pistons, but, um, I mean, I guess I feel like, so like the New York Knicks also super scrappy with the Bulls and the Bulls super scrappy with them. And I feel like the love between Patrick Ewing and Michael Jordan is much more, I mean, that just feels like a more like respectful battle. Um, But then that scene that we watched like a few different times that they played of Scottie Pippen dunking on Patrick Ewing and then walking over him. I mean, that's, I mean, that was wild. Um, And I, I knew I had seen that before but it was just like thinking about it and also in the context of like you know dunks what what sort of flies today i just don't think we'd see lebron james like walking over Kawhi. like that's yeah i missed that i missed the like alan iverson step over of Teron <laughs> sure I mean, there was yeah, a bit yeah. of cattiness yesterday when patrick beverly and mm. uh paul george were heckling damian lillard i love damian lillard <laughs> And he was basically like, yeah, that makes sense because I sent both of them home in the playoffs. So, like, I, I know. I'm wondering what, what point in the afternoon was he like, oh, this is the line I'm going to use. Like, this is the narrative oh, I'm, I'm sure going to push. Through his brain immediately. Like, yep, sent him home, sent him home. Um, yeah, so it makes sense that they – so I love all – I'm here for all of that. Like, I like I, – I like – like, I wasn't much of a trash talker because I wasn't good enough to be a trash talker. But I like <laughs> – I like being angry at the people that I'm playing against. So that sounds bad, but I like, like there are very few things in my life that have high stakes. So I like when I'm on the basketball court to make it seem like this is life or death and that these people are actually my enemies, even though they're not. I, sure. I don't know. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, that that it makes, I mean, it's definitely interesting to watch and I'm sure it makes for more interesting competition for them in some way. And it's so funny because I didn't really care if the Blazers got into the playoffs. Oh, they're going. Uh, before yesterday. And now I'm like, God, they got to get in. But that means the Spurs won't get in, which kind of breaks their like, you know, 18 year streak True. or whatever, because so I, I'm kind of torn between one of those teams, but I really want to see, I just want to see that everything get heightened a little bit more with that sort of back and forth. I mean, I have some, strong feelings about Patrick Beverly in general. I mean, I think he's a hard person not to have strong yeah. feelings about because he's such a provocateur. <laughs> that's a good word. Um, but... <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> yeah, that's what we can word. call him. Um, he, or an irritant. He's yeah, an, an irritant. irritant. I mean, that's um, what he gets paid for. He gets but... paid to like be an irritant. So I respect that. Right. It's a weird thing where it's like, like people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. It's like, y'all haven't actually won anything yet. Like, this isn't even, playoffs haven't even started. Like, you don't, like, this could really blow up in your face 
very soon. <laughs> yeah, and everyone gets sent home except for like 12 people. Exactly, exactly. So it's just, um, there's no way that that it can work out for everyone every year. And so, yeah, just, that was that was an interesting thing that happened yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was just a great basketball day, great games. Um, that, that triple overtime between the Nuggets, no, double overtime Nuggets and the Jazz, like that was really wonderful. You know, I have some beef with Rudy Gobert because- uh, he kind of canceled my wedding for a while. <laughs> I mean, or him just, you know, I mean, it would have gotten. Or, or, or he saved the yeah, world. Yeah, sorry, both. Yes, I'm one or the other. And right. his goaltending in the against Lithuania in the in the World Cup last year that didn't get called, and so Lithuania lost. So we just. Oh, I definitely didn't watch. Sure, that. we have some ongoing. <laughs> yeah, we've got some ongoing issues. Um, so I've been tending to root against the Jazz a little bit, but then Donovan Mitchell is so amazing as well. And um, it's just really hard when the play, when, you know, it seems like the majority of the teams are playing really well, or at least offensively playing really well. It's hard to, yeah, I like, these teams. like, I just, I'm just rooting for close games, like more than anything else. And because I don't have a lot in, invested about who wins or loses, it just makes it really just like the, the pureness again it's just like about good basketball yeah i try to root against the jazz because the jazz should be in new right, orleans yeah. but i do still love their jerseys and i even like the weird mountain ones um and yeah i've always been a big mike conley fan I'm, i want him to play well yeah and yeah i like i like their team because i guess they have some all-stars but they still like a team that's that overachieves in a way um, like they lost Gordon Hayward and right. they like they aren't a free agent destination, but they are always a very competitive team. So I kind of like the jazz and kind of root for them. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I like the teams that are in there right now. Um, my Pelicans will not be in there much longer. So I know. Yeah. We yeah. can uh, pour a little something out for their season but they only had themselves to blame. So I'm not going to cry too much about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been, I think. It's not a good team, so that's okay. Right. Well, and I, I just like loved your holiday so much and I would like him to the best. to get the accolades slash be on a team. I, 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 but there's a lot of good players on that team. It's just like not working out right now. Um, not working yeah. out. No. no. They have a lot of good players and not, any great players and they also don't have any not good players like you need to have <laughs> you don't have any of the like dirty work people you know like yeah they have a lot of like like frank jackson and josh hart and lonzo ball all kind of are good guards but none of them is like a patrick beverly that's gonna like be a weird irritant that's gonna serve that very specific role yeah have they don't really have any big people they don't really have like they, they just have a bunch of middle players and they need some of the weirder players and they need they need eventually zion's going to become a superstar and drew's drew like we'll we'll see um yeah it's not going to be this year though so. <laughs> no, and I mean, I just think there's like a hesitancy maybe to how they play. Like it just, like you're saying with the, there needs to be a little bit more scrappiness or. Um, it's also because they're called the Pelicans. Sure, yeah. And that's just never going to be like, when you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, <laughs> I, I play for the Pelicans. Like 
that's never gonna get you over the hump of like beating the Spurs or beating like the Warriors or beating like these really classic teams. Like it, it. I'm a stickler for that. I'm, it's important to me. Sure. A bad team, you're just never gonna go far. I think, um, especially when you're competing with the Saints, which is that's like one of the best names in football. So cold. Yeah. Great. And it's just, it's just so, I mean, just they, they, they've nailed it with the colors. They've nailed it with the logo. It's so, it's just so perfect for that place. So you can't really, I mean, and, and yes, Pelicans are a violent bird, but no one really knows that. I mean, they're an aggressive bird, but no one really knows <laughs> that they are. It's just, that's kind of a, no one, no one like knows. An under, We're not believing. No one under the radar bird. So it's just, we need something that's more, you know, like we know bulls, they're angry, you know, and, and it translates really perfect. well. Like, a pelican in my book can only do so much damage against many of the other animals in the NBA. So it's just not, yeah. And maybe that's what's holding them back. Um, and it's, it's a hundred percent. That's my belief. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I am sad about the pelicans because I was, I was and they've been on a lot of, uh, unlike the suns, they've been on some, some national TV, I mean, national, nationally uh, televised games. Oh yeah. Cause been, Zion, like, for sure. Yeah, so, um, and, and I do, I want Zion to do well, um, and I want, yeah, Drew to get everything he deserves, so <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, uh, I, I really hope the Mavericks go, I would say, like, as, you know, semi-deep into the playoffs, I think that'd be really exciting to watch. I mean, Luka Dodgers is so good. Like, he's LeBron James mixed with James Harden. It's like really yeah, nasty. It's, yeah. It's, it's hard. Like, and he's just getting started. It's it's a, it's quite scary how good he's gonna be. That team is not good though. Like that team like can't guard. <laughs> like, like can't keep a wind out of like I don't know. I can't do anything. Like they're not gonna. I feel like the they could win in the first gonna be like round. 150 maybe to one fifty. Right. Yeah. 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 There, there is, there is some issues on defense. Um, it's also so funny last night when I was watching them, they say, so they mentioned so much on the broadcast, like Luka Doncic is 21. Like they just keep saying how young he is. Like he only turned 21 in February. I'm like, we all know, like we, you don't have, we get oh, it. Yeah, He's young. Yeah. Like you said that 10 minutes ago, he's still 21 now, you know, it's just like, it's so funny that they keep going back to that over and over again. It just, um, I mean, he's, he's so impressive, but he's been a he's professional not... for, he's not, he's been a professional for 10 years. Right, like he's not yeah. Like a, yeah. Which is a problem with our sports system in America where black athletes are forced to like be unpaid workers in high school and in college and have to prolong and delay professionalism because of, I don't know what, whereas right. you can be a, 12 year old tennis phenom and you can be a amateur golfer and you can be overseas and be Luka Doncic and play professionally or be like, who's the, I forgot the, the new American phenom soccer player, um, Pulisic. Wow, yeah. I think that's his last name, but he's been a pro in Europe for, since he's like 14 years old. Yeah. Yeah, that that's another conversation for another podcast. No, I I mean it is, and also I just I think that you know there's so much going on with some of the at least the players in the Pac-10, um, yeah. the football players, like sort of uh, coming together to write their list of demands for the conference and and to to address uh, 
uh, not only how they're treated during the pandemic, but also to say, you know, we need to be compensated uh, for our work and for our likeness and all of these things. And I just, there's like so many things happening around. I mean, I just, it's, it's, it is, we should talk about it on another podcast. That, that is, um, I'm super proud of those kids and yeah, that is a bold move. Like, this is the time. Everything is up for grabs. Everything is changing. Like we are kind of like what Taylor Rooks is asking LeBron James, like whatever this new world we want to be, the things are going to need to be put in place now. Like this is the time where everything is cooking. Everything is changing. Every piece can be exchanged for another piece. And it's cool that they're seeing that, like these young people, like 18, 19, 20, 21 years old are realizing the opportunity. Um, yeah, it's like, what is that in my own life? Like, what is the thing that I can kind of just start fresh with? I don't know. <laughs> sure. And even just like the power that they have, like realizing that they have this this like strength coming together around these issues. And I mean, I think that- well, they do. That and also just like how we talked about before with what's going on in the NBA, like there's no risk being taken. I mean, there could be some kind of like something like I think, you know, LeBron James had a racial slur, like graffitied on his house in L.A. like a few years back. Like like there could be things like that that happen based on players individual behavior. Um, but like nothing's going to happen from the NBA towards the players. They're not going to lose their job or anything for what, what they're choosing to do or not do right now in the NBA. Whereas like, these are the players in the PAC 10 super young. They, it's not like they have their college degrees. Like they're still trying to get them or, no, you know, on the line. Yeah. yeah, they're putting everything on the line. It's so, um, it's so powerful. And also just, you know, realizing, you know, Colin Kaepernick started off by himself. Um, I think, I don't know if Eric Reed had kneeled with him right away, um, but just this idea of like what happens when, when there's some solidarity between people that are all sort of performing the same work. I mean, how to, it just, it's, it's really great. It's incredible. And, and uh, it's like something actually on the line. Like, I think there always has to be something on the line. Like it mm -hmm. could not work out for them in a really kind of bad, but that's what adds to the potential. It's like they could not get their demands met and they could like further, like if any of them had NFL prospects, like maybe the NFL is going to look at them a weird way. And that's inspiring to me. It's like the people who are actually like putting things on the line. And that's when some of the NBA stuff feels a little shallow. Um, but I'm not going to criticize it too much. But <laughs> No. And I mean, I think, yeah, it's just, it's more of just, it's not, um, it doesn't have the same strength necessarily behind it or, um, you know, with the risk comes this sort of, I don't know, admiration for that, for the willingness to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's just, we can have, we can have both. Um, maybe the, the, the sometimes, I mean, there's some things that are going on in the NBA that do feel a little bit like empty gestures. There's some things that are going on in the NBA that don't. Yeah, and I, I definitely think I like it all. Like let's try yeah. it all and see. Let's try it all. I think yeah. that that's, what's important. Like, let's just see. And I mean, of course, like this has been go going on for a long time and, and, but not with the NBA necessarily. So let's see like what works in the NBA. And I mean, it was just so crazy watching, 
I watched like the first night of baseball and they had like Black Lives Matter um, on the pitcher's mound, like, you know, with the dust, the chalk. that Like that just usually... the diamond, like, or just the strip, like the, the pitching. Well, th- so they just had like BLM, like a BLM sort of, not logo, but like design that was like, uh, I'm, I'm just doing this because I think that's how the chalk gets poured on. Out, but like, <laughs> like dust, like it, it's like, Dusted, you know, yeah. They, yeah, they had they had some kind of. Um, it was a sand mandala of black. Yeah, Lives Matter. <laughs> and it was just it was also just interesting because it's like it's so different in baseball than it is in basketball in a black league, um, and uh, it just it was just you know knowing that baseball has has some issues that basketball doesn't necessarily because they they have more um, black players uh, and 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 black players that are leaders in that league so yeah, it's it just unavoidable, that, that's... unavoidable in the nba and baseball could have just ignored it completely but um yeah maybe you can't ignore it completely now but... no i know and i mean i think that's so we'll see what happens and i'm so i'm interested i mean I, in this me saying I'm interested is also a little like, what's going to happen with football? Like, because it, we're playing with people's lives here. <laughs> like, this is risky business. Yeah, and a lot of football players are opting out. I mean, the thing is, it's like, I don't understand how you see, basically, you saw the one person. It's almost like you're the, you're the youngest sibling of three. And you saw <laughs> yeah, the yeah. <laughs> older brother do, or a sister do everything right and it all worked out for them. And then the middle <laughs> person was like a screw up and did the exact opposite and did like really terrible things and ruined their life. And now like a little bit of a drinking problem or something. Yeah. yeah. Like they're just like you're visiting them and like whatever facility they're in right now. <laughs> you're the third one and you can look and see like your big brother, the NBA, who did it right and like did a bubble, or your like screw up brother, the MLB. And the fact that they're even still debating whether or not to have a bubble, it's just like, that's the only way it's going to work. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be able to do this. I don't, yeah. It's a bad. I have yeah, nothing bad. to add to that because it's like the perfect analogy. Like you see both pathways. I don't know why they would try right. any other way. I don't know. No. And I mean, there's just, there's, it's so, um, I mean, it's just, with especially with that many like the nba is even much less people as well like so you have so many more people and you have so many more people that are going to be touching each other um and and all of that and it's just it's just wild um so i don't know what's realistic there and i i mean i i want to say that like it just shouldn't happen but then also the nba and the wmba shouldn't be happening and then it gets back to square one of just like dealing with what talking about what we have rather than you know what what could have been or not been Um, but if it's gonna happen there's just a way to make it happen yeah they have the blueprint roger goodell should be hitting up adam silver he should be writing letters to adam silver like exactly love roger (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i just think that 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 there's i don't know (laughs) i know i can't i mean it's just the things that i've I wonder how that interaction goes or just, I know that, you know, Trump was on the phone with all the sports commissioners, like maybe in April or May talking. I just, I wonder how Adam Silver interacts with people. I like to sometimes assume he thinks are jerks, but then that's me saying who I think Adam Silver thinks is a jerk 
and uh, yeah, I don't. He might be disappointed. <laughs> he might be like getting a beer with Roger Goodell right now. Um, and maybe Roger Goodell might not be a jerk, but I just know that he presents as one often. <laughs> yeah, Adam Silver is good at. Yeah, he's a master of perception. Like we think he's this cuddly figure, and he's just as heartless and ruthless and calculating. He's just better at it and he's smarter, which is to be commended. So he's just a better, at his, he's just better at his job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I see like the ruthlessness. I also just want to imagine that I would never have like a Dear Roger Goodell podcast. Like there's a reason, there's got to be a reason yeah, besides basketball. That, that yeah. I, <laughs> like, so I just, um, <laughs> yeah. And it's so, uh, I know we, we hadn't talked about this and it's just a little bit random right now, but when Roger Goodell put out that video of reading, he read the, the sort of demands of the football players, like the, the football players have put out the videos or a group of them have put out the video saying like, we need, you, you need to say that you should have recognized systemic racism exactly. earlier, you know, and all this stuff. And that video was just like a hostage video. I mean, it's just like he is so awkward, it's yeah. so awkward. And it's like, can't can't you as a citizen of the United States like say something about this yourself? I mean, if you want to read what the players asked you to say, that's fine. But also, don't yeah. you have any personal investment in this that you or you could pretend that you have something to say that is that is, you know, that's written out ahead of time, but that just has some yeah. feeling behind it. Like you care about this. Like what was that video? And also it shows that he has no, he had so little like equity with his league and with his players that there was no level of trust that he would ever do it without the hostage situation. No, absolutely. Like they had to, and they had Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I'm not even sure if he would have done it without Patrick Mahomes saying, you know, um, black lives matter and, and say this and say that. And so it's just, I was like, Oh, Roger, just personalize this a little bit more and maybe we'll start to think that you give a shit. Yeah, whereas Adam Silver has a little more equity with his league and his players to be able to kind of wait, pause, speak at his own pace. And I really want to shout out and acknowledge uh, a couple of the WNBA teams that are wearing those Vote Warnock I love that. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like that's the next thing. There, yes, absolutely. And I think that the Atlanta Dream, they're really kind of, there is a little bit of a risk there. I mean, I think that they know that the league is on their side with like pushing back on Kelly Loeffler, but like yeah. she is an owner, you know, so she does have some kind of power. She's certainly like a politician that's dragging them right and left, like, and, and miss, miss, sort of seemingly purposefully misunderstanding Black Lives Matter, like the movement and politicizing yeah. everything um, for her own benefit and not acknowledging the importance of other players or, or of players maybe politicizing some things that they care about as well um, because we we need to also think about politics uh, for the future. And so I, I love the shirts. I think, I think that that's like the next step as well. I think, so it's interesting because I think that like there is so much good in what LeBron is doing around just like talking about voting and not necessarily talking about voting for a specific candidate. Cause yeah. I think that like this idea of just putting all our, I mean, I think, you know, I, I really am good. <laughs> I just 
I hope that Donald Trump is not reelected. And like, I hope that the person that's running against him is uh, elected, even though that person is far from my dream candidate. Oh, I talk about Joe Biden. I mean, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm past dreams, man. I'm living real practically. Yes, days, exactly. <laughs> and so I think that like in some ways, you know, whatever LeBron, if maybe LeBron will end up, I know he like worked with Hillary a little bit in 2016. Maybe he'll end up working with Joe Biden. I don't know. But I think it's so great to just like take the focus off of the individual and just be like, we all need to vote. First off, we all need to like get registered to vote. Yeah. This person needs their, these people need help paying off their court fees. And like $100,000 in that case can go very, very far in the way in other, you know, like in other circumstances, um, like the abstraction with which sometimes rich people move their money around sometimes doesn't feel like tangible. Like this is where we see the the change or the impact of that money. Yeah. But with this particular decision to put money towards uh, w- getting court fines paid for, for, for people who have come out of prison like that, that's a huge deal. Like that could have deal. a significant shift that could potentially have, you know, who knows what we're about to live through with what types of, voting counting and all of that so i just think so i really like that that direction and i also love the atlanta dream and i think it's the i think it was sue bird's idea and the seattle storm are doing and maybe some other teams of being like we need this person to lose power (laughs) and this is the person we want to have power and we're going to be really specific about this so i think that there's a lot of good in both it has actual action behind it so it's smart in that way it's not empty it's not like like what does education reform mean on the back of a jersey like it means a lot like obviously i'm for education reform but i don't really know what step b is you know yeah. <laughs> like, andre iguodala really tell us yeah what, no yeah. But, I, but don't feel obligated to tell us but if, if you want to tell us you can you don't have to, <laughs> but there's something very like elegant and direct about the like vote is it Warnock, whoever the person who's running against? Yeah, it is. It is a risk because there are only twelve WNBA teams, so one twelfth of all the players have to play for the dream. Like there's not like that. One twelfth of the WNBA has to play for the dream, so it is a big risk to be like we're going to put this line up between this line in the sand between us and her, and let's say you're a free agent and you could play for Atlanta, but no other teams are kind of checking for you and inviting you in to play. You might have to make that tough decision of exiting the league and not playing for this team owned by this lady whose political views you disagree with. So it is a lot of risk. Right. And I, I just respect it. I respect the like amount of muscle they actually put behind the things that they care about. Yeah. And I, I just, and they also could like lose, maybe they could lose some fans. I, I wonder like this idea of like her losing supporters versus them losing fans. Like, I feel like they're more at risk to maybe lose some fans over her losing supporters because her supporters are probably already like a little far gone into that space for her anyways, that like, I so think weird. that they, they might be, it might be more that, you know, maybe not everyone, but who knows? I don't know what's going on there, but I just think that like the players are, are putting themselves at risk. I didn't know I missed basketball until it came back on. So I wasn't like really anticipating it too much. Like mm-hmm. I was trying to kind of put it out of my brain because I just thought something was going to happen to make it not be able to happen. Yeah. Uh, but then once it came back, I was like, 
oh damn basketball's great <laughs> totally and we're we're like you said we're seeing it in this way that just like it's so it's just basketball like that's what we're watching I it's love really it. yeah i i also like i don't know if maybe i'm just noticing it more because of the plexiglass between the refs and the broadcasters mm. and like the scorekeepers but like there's just more ref interaction. Um, there's, I just like enjoy hearing them talk a little bit more with the broadcasters. And yeah. um, that's an interesting thing that I hadn't thought about. And even just thinking like everyone here is away from, has, has decided to be like away from their home for three months. Which is wild. Yeah. So it's like, the, they're all kind of, there's like, I mean, it is, it is cushy though. It's like, Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, I, I'm just, I'm sure they're like living it up. It's just I don't know why the families couldn't come. Like that just seems easy. Well, are they not? I I thought are they coming soon? Like I thought they were coming maybe, in another maybe. stage. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, maybe I don't. I don't know the details. I've actually heard there's like a one hotel for like wives and children and one hotel for girlfriends, which is really straight. Awesome. Yes, <laughs> mistresses. Heck yeah. like, what's going on yeah. here? Um. So the so yeah, I just think that it's interesting that all these people are living around each other. Um, and that when they leave the gym, they go back to the lockers and then they leave there and it's like, Hey, like nice job refing, you know, whatever. Like it's just, everyone's kind of intertwined in like a charming way. Yeah. It's like basketball, it's basketball camp. It's like the dinner table is like, Oh, there's like some Rockets players over there. And then there's some like Portland players over there, but with like a five-star chef walking over to your table and asking you if the meal is okay. So it's not yeah, what do you want in your omelet? <laughs> <laughs> well, and even just like with Dame Lillard and Paul George and Patrick Beverly, I was thinking like, are, do you guys live down the hall from each other? Like how far are you away from each other right now? Cause it's just like, Maybe, the, yeah. yeah, I mean, they could be like, you're on a different floor. Like, do you know where the other person is? It's just, there's not that sort of like separation at the end of games um, no. as far as I understand it. So I kind of like the, the camp vibe. I like it. I it's like good it. For I, everyone. I like everything about it. I, I I prefer yeah, I wonder if any players are gonna like it better this way than another way. It's like there's very little obviously you would love to be closer to family, but it's it's like no one's asking you for tickets, nobody's mm-hmm. asking you to for like like press passes to like get back not backstage, but like to like you don't have to like organize the dinner after you don't have to organize like the party right. after it's, it's it's kind of a time to like separate and focus I don't know totally and Jeff Van Gundy was saying last night like I think players are playing better because they're not traveling and I was like oh yeah. my god yeah oh, I didn't even think about that yeah interesting like, not having to change time zones to play a game and then go back home like they're yeah. they're all they can go to bed and wake up in the same place and like play another game like that just that feels like that, it's in it of itself is just a much more calm environment to not have to be like whizzing around the country all the time. Yeah, him as a coach, I'm sure he was used to that grind and that hustle. Right. So, so that was really interesting. And I just think that, um, yeah, it's great. And I also think that there might be some players who like it better and they can't, they can't say. I think, yeah, well, they should be able to say. Yeah. I, well, hope, you can't, I hope they well, Actually, you're right. They can't say because they need fans to eventually Yeah, they can't back. be like, I like it better without, like, without everyone you. that, like, essentially, like, pays 
the keeps the lights on 40 percent of my salary yeah, yeah exactly. whatever it is so i'm just i i maybe you know in a memoir down the road well in a bubble memoir which i want to ghostwrite for one of the players oh i'm pretty sure you would you could do it like I'm, I feel I'm, like after reading a few I'm actively shopping around for ghostwriters. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love to do that. So if any, any bubble players are listening, just, you know, where to find me. <laughs> yeah. The, you would have to, it would be the one that you don't want to do. It'll be like Patrick Beverly. Right. Like, I know. It was yeah, like, ah. Uh... James Harden wants his memoir written. Um, <laughs> so you'll have to, you'll have to decide whether or not it's worth it. Yeah, well, and we'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I'll let you know. You'll be the first. Yeah. I was actually thinking, like, before they had set the format that, and especially after watching The Last Dance, I was thinking we should have three out of five uh, basketball series again. Like, I think that those, that might make for more, um, especially with the traveling. I that love could make, three out of five. There's just more at stake in every game. Like, four out of seven yeah. is such a... Uh, like a uh, schlep of a series. And it's, so it's anti-capitalism, so you're it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I know. I'm such a socialist with my three out of fives uh and yeah, series. Exactly. But now that we're in it, I'm like, yeah, I'm on four out of seven because I just want it to last longer. Well, like I want there to be more games. So I mean I think in general they should go back to three out of five at least for the first for the one eight matchup. Yeah. But um in general, at this moment, I'm I'm ready to watch like every game that's not a blowout to the end. I like the idea. I wish every series, especially the first round series, was best out of seven. But if you go up three zero, it's over. So it's like oh, interesting. Yeah, I would love that. Wow, so like, the pressure is on you in that third game to yeah. not get swept because it's like a a quick close to the door if you don't like win a game quick. Right. And that would just, so it's technically a best of five if the team just like blows the other team out those first three games. Right. Which is saving. I mean, it's not fun to watch uh, sweeps usually. Not at all. So no. we could save, I mean, it would, it would hurt. It would hurt the, the court, corporate NBA folks but for yeah. for people who care about the game it could be much better for like average what we watch oh yeah, yeah. it would make that third game so exciting yeah we got to get that idea um to the higher ups I and think I think they know they know all the ideas like they've they've <laughs> heard the ideas okay so we'll talk soon it was so great to catch up <laughs> yeah definitely we'll we'll be in touch throughout the, the the bubble playoffs of course sounds good we'll talk soon yeah, definitely. Stay safe. See you soon. You too. Bye.